Yeah, you've been exposed on the internet now. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome back to Do What You Can For The People, the show that nobody asked for. I'm Nicole, your hostess with the mostess, and today I'm here with Emma Jenkins. Emma is a financial wizard. She is a former shaper of young minds, a lover of exquisite bathrooms, and probably the <laughs> kindest person I know. I'm so excited to have Emma on the show today to talk about financial literacy, what it means, why it matters, and why it's especially important for women. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Emma. Thank you for having me, Nicole. This is going to be so fun. Yeah. Oh, what, a, what a flattering introduction. <laughs> well, I had to mention your bathroom love. I know. Well, that is the main point of bonding between us, so it's important <laughs> to bring up. Yeah, you've been exposed on the internet now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so send me your amazing bathroom pictures. Absolutely. And descriptions. Yeah, everyone should add Emma with all of her fa their favorite bathroom pictures. Yeah. I'm really excited to have you on the show today because I think that finance is intimidating for a lot of people. Um, and I think one of the things that we need to talk about before we dive into finance is the concept of wealth inequality, um, which means it's the unequal distribution of assets among residents, specifically in the United States. And wealth includes the value of your home, automobile, your personal valuables, your businesses, your savings, your investments, all of those things. And one of the statistics that struck me was in Q3 of 2019, the bottom 50% of households had $1.67 trillion or 1.6% of the net worth of our country versus 74.5 trillion for the 70% or 70% for the top 10%. That is a huge discrepancy. Oh yeah, it's atrocious. It's completely atrocious. And it's it just makes it makes me think right now in our in our current moment with being you know unemployment numbers are extremely high and we're in the midst of this economic economic shutdown but yet the stock market continues to defy gravity and it's it's really um it doesn't reflect the true um economic situation the stock market um you know there's there are two economies, clearly. There's one that has the bulk of the wealth, as you just put, and the other that um, is, is a far greater you know, headcount and yet can't access that, that economy and that, and that um, you know. Wealth, I mean, it's Very just, puzzling, yeah, a phenomenon that's happening right now, the, that we have two economies, the ones for the haves and the ones for the have-nots and the, the inequity is just insane. And I think one thing that you and I talk about is how that wealth inequality, I feel at least, is a direct product of the finance world being intimidating and exclusive. And it's a system that is built to kind of keep the haves with the having and the have-nots from having. Um, and so that's really what we're going to talk about today is a lot of those inequalities and those methods of exclusion, particularly for women who I don't think ever feel welcome in the financial world or feel equipped um, and maybe some tips and tricks for getting more involved. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like the, the, even the word finance is kind of weird, like just the, just the way that we're talking about it right now with, um, 
you know, there's, there's personal finance, there's your home economics, so to speak. And, you know, balancing your own checkbook and your inflows and your outflows. And then, like you mentioned, um, all of your assets, everything from the possessions you have, the, the technology equipment that you have that might be, you know, your most expensive asset that you own <laughs> for people yeah. our age. Um, but then also countering those assets is, is debt. Um, and, you know, people aren't really equipped with these very simple tools to figure out how to manage that, those like multiple facets of, of their life. Um, I mean, you know, student debt is a really unfortunate issue that so many people are, are burdened with. Credit card debt, um, it's cannibalistic, you know? Student debt is one thing. You, you, you have your monthly payment, you work that into your budget, you trudge through it. Hopefully you don't have a real predatory loan, you have a regular um, government subsidized loan, but, um, but the credit card debt is, is really dangerous. Um, yeah. The interest rates are so, so astronomical that they, they, they cannibalize into, into your wealth in a really bad way. Um, so, you know, I think you mentioned like tips and tricks. Um, and, uh, really, what, really what comes to mind is, is finding solutions to keep your credit card debt, uh, you know, as, as tampered down as you can. Um, and you know, sometimes that means that it's just another budgeting thing where you just have to get a good handle on, on what your, what your, what's a monthly realistic payment that you can make. And, trying to live within your means as much as possible, but that's not even possible for a lot of people. So that's also kind of a hard token of advice to dish out because a lot of people with their, with their rent and um, multiple expenses that they have can't quite make those balanced with, with what their income is. Um, so, you know, I think that the most important thing is to remember that the, the personal finance realm is, is not that complicated the the finance industry purposely makes things really mysterious um and you know this is getting into like um the ways that investment products are structured and how um individual investors have access to those things that that kind of stuff is is really veiled under some really annoying jargon and ins and outs but the the personal finance side is is really not that complicated and it's, it's just a matter of digging into the research for yourself. You can figure out anything on Google. You can figure out anything on Investopedia. Um, really like separating those, those thoughts that are, that are in your head that are, that have been passed on to you through our culture, that things are thing that you will, won't be able to understand things or you're, or you're not good at finance or something like that. It's just, it's just, those are messages that other people are giving you. That is not your truth. Um, you are a strong, educated individual woman, probably is who I'm talking to. You can, you can definitely get a handle on, on your personal finance. Um, don't be intimidated. And if you're seeking professional help, don't let them, um, um, Push you around. You off. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let them write you off. Don't, don't, like, oh, you don't need to worry about that is like the biggest red flag. If someone is trying to coach you through a situation or sell you something or structure an account a certain way, and they're saying that there's some element that you don't need to worry about, that That's is the, the biggest thing. red flag. That's the That's thing, thing you should that probably you be the worry most about. worried about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually went through that experience. Um, I was working with the CPA and this was 
way back when I was freelancing for the first time and I was freelancing, but I was also bartending and I was also like doing odd ends and jobs. And so my taxes were a bit of a nightmare. And so I sat down with the CPA and I was asking him questions that I had like, you know, done research on. And I was like, well, what does this mean? And what does that mean? And he would actually say to me, oh, you don't need to worry about that. Like very dismissive, very much writing me off. And I decided that then and there, I was like, you know what? I'm intelligent enough to figure this out. And I didn't use him going forward. And I've been able to do my taxes on my own every year since. So amazing personal victory. If I can do it, anyone can do it. No one was more intimidated by our MBA finance class than me. And I came Mm -hmm. out on top in that too. But I think that the system does kind of favor men in a lot of ways. And I think that's something that we definitely want to talk about is that there are a lot of stereotypes out there about women, um, you know, being risk averse and not knowing how to save or manage their money and messages about money that are really sexist, that patronize or shame women. And I'm just quite sick of it because when we receive that messaging, we start believing it. And a New York Times article in 2013 found that only 20% of female breadwinners said that they were very well prepared to make wise financial decisions versus 45% of their male peers. And I'm just, that's atrocious to me. That's unacceptable. We need to do better. That sounds like some inflated confidence by uh, our our male counterparts. Jeez. I think though that there there is also a tendency for the industry to kind of choose to have language that's very intimidating um, and try and exclude people from the conversation. And I'm I'm not entirely sure why. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, one of the reasons is that it's to their advantage to have consumers be in the dark about these things. Um, If you think about, you know, interest rates for loans, if you think about you know, the, the charges that are given to you if you overdraft on your, on your debit card. Um, the, there's, there are incentives built in for consumers to not have a clue um, because the, you know, the punitive system of, you know, when you make a mistake or if, if you know, you're in a bad situation, it's, it's, it's on the, the side of the finance firms to have consumers not know what's going on, have good control of, of their financial situation. Um, and, and culturally, it is it is certainly a man's world. I mean, come on, the, just the imagery alone, and um, everything from the, the way that that we describe the stock market as like a bull market, and the freaking bull, um, you know, down on Wall Street, um, and uh, yeah, and and there there are just. There, there are so many, so many ways that sexism shows up in the finance industry. Um, aside from, from all of that. Oh, and like, you know, and, and women can love sports, of course, and women can be really into that. But that is just the the way that, um, you know, analyst reports come out, and it's like it's like a sports stat, and it's just very alienating to a, a large group of people who aren't really like relating to that, right? Or, or finding it to be an interesting or intriguing career. Um, and I know for, for myself personally, you know, I, I think you might've mentioned at the top, I used to be a teacher, which is like, you know, like a very female profession, yeah. obviously. Um, and I, and I grew up with, um, with my, my dad, he worked in finance and I did not really see myself in that kind of career not to any fault of not like my my parents were discouraging to me in any way in fact their whole quote of life is 
you can do anything you set your mind to. But, you know, I just didn't, I just didn't have that visual until really I started the BART MBA and began to see things in a way that was more attractive to me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, the one example on a, um, mailing list or listserv that I'm on currently, um, I got, it's like a daily market update thing or weekly or something. And since the pandemic, the, the author of this mailing list has been adding in, you know, little, little videos to be jokey, like meme videos or whatever. And, um, usually I ignore them, but one of them was called, this is why women are always late. And it was some video, a spoof with a woman who was like getting ready makeup hair and was like running late for the event. And then at the end of the video, she's late for a funeral. And so this was like an, an industry leader, like an investment research leader sending this out to, I don't even know how many people. Um, and, you know, obviously it angered me on so many levels, but mostly just for the, the symbolism that a, a male industry leader is sending this out. And this is how um, he, he is laughing at women for doing things that, A, taking care of yourself is something that we are pressured to do in professional environments. If we don't look a certain way, we are not treated with respect. Uh, by the way, all of that is at a huge expense. So there's, you know, the, the pink tax where we have to pay, we have these things that we have to pay for to look acceptable. Um, and everything from, you know, thinking, assuming all women are shallow, um, but also, yeah, not recognizing the pink tax, pink tax, but also the emotional labor that women disproportionately um, are responsible for and, and take on in addition to um, their professional and personal responsibilities. Um, and so I did, um, I did provide that feedback to this individual and it was a really, and it was a really good conversation. And, and I, and I, I just, I put it exactly that way. I was like, you know, it's, it's hard enough being a woman in this industry and seeing this kind of, you know, this is, if, if this is what industry leaders think of me, then, um, you know, what's my future like and replied back with a awesome video by um, Sally Krawcheck of Ellevest on her market commentary, which was rooted in reality. And, um, and it was, it ended up being a good little dialogue. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's little, little things like that where this industry is closed off to women in particular, um, but also a huge portion of the population who doesn't really have the access to capital to participate. Yeah. So I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the pink tax because that's something that we've definitely talked about before is infuriating. And as you were talking, it made me think of, we're not saying that men and women are equal. We are different. And I think that's important to recognize that um, the needs of women are different from the needs of men. Like, yes, we have this societal pressure and a lot of people find it unnecessary, but some women genuinely do enjoy, like I'm one of them, I enjoy looking really good because I feel like I've put on my battle uniform and war paint to go to work. Um, but recognizing that there are different needs and different lifestyles and different expectations out of your financial, whether it's personal or you know, business or whatever have you, I think is a really important part of this conversation. And I did a bit of research and found that actually the investing needs and habits of women are very different from men. 
women are way more interested in things like long-term goals and things like putting a child through college, whereas men are more interested in hearing about the growth of a company or its competitive performance. Um, and it's not fair to write women off just because they have different financial goals. Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought that up. And um, another really important thing for women planning their financial future is that um, they're they're more likely to to um, take time off from from the workforce to to a parent, um, and that really impacts your salary um, because. I mean, it, it really, it kind of sucks, but the, the reality is you're not going to get more money if you don't make more money. And so that is, that is a real barrier that is, um, you know, not, not factored into the pace of someone's professional career typically, because it's not typically something that men need to account for. Um, yeah. And so if, if you're looking for financial advice, you really want to think about um, the person who's going to be giving you that advice if they really understand what your future is going to look like and and even um you know let alone not having a traditional path but if you have a a um different career like you're you have more of a creative career or you're participating in the, in the gig economy um you do have to take the advice that someone who is very experienced in the industry is giving you because they might not be thinking about your financial situation that way um, and, and it also, it, it makes me think a lot about like a lot of people start getting serious about their financial planning when they, um, when they marry or they, you know, officially join legally with another person. Yeah. And, um, and if you're seeking financial advice and you're in that scenario, you, you do really want to make sure that you're, um, whoever is giving you the advice is speaking to both of you equally. Um, if you're in a, you know, different sex partnership, um, and that, you know, you're, and noticing how the person is talking to each of you differently. Are they, are they treating the woman in the relationship like, um, they are more conservative or risk averse? And are they talking to the male in the partnership more about, you know, beating the market and kind of that sportsy vibe that I was giving you? Um, and it's really, it, it's really not true that women are more conservative in their investments. And that's kind of, you know, a profile that people um, fall into. And I, I think it's even programmed into some, um, some financial planning things, um, which is very strange and troubling. But um, women aren't really more risk averse. Um, women are usually just more inclined to be, be thinking about the long term, as you mentioned, and be more risk aware. And they, they want to know uh, beyond how, how cool or interesting a company is. And they want to know um, what kind of stability and responsibility um, that that financial instrument represents. Um, and really, it leads to more, more thoughtful and intentional investing choices I think um so yeah I totally agree and I think that's a great segue into what we're going to talk about next which is women don't just care about the long-term financial return they're also doing a lot more of what's called value aligned spending and investing um, which is great for us from a sustainability perspective because investing with values alignment means that you're concerned with you know the people who work there and the environmental impact of that company and 
you know, who's, who's at the table in terms of governance and all of these things that maybe a lot of times aren't accounted into when you're talking about financial investments, um, traditionally speaking. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, you know, when I first became aware of the, of the sustainable investing realm um, and I was talking to my dad who, who works in finance about it and I was like, you know, did people ever come to you with interests of, of aligning their investments with, with any values? And he was like, yeah, one, one person once and it was a woman. And he's like very, very pleased to tell me that it was a woman. I was like, yes, exactly. That is, that is very common. Um, And uh, yeah, and um, I think that also that there's a reason why, um, why gender leadership representation has um, become one of the top uh, leading ESG or um, you know, sustainable investing topics that's brought up um, because of that, that interest. And, you know, women are, women are a huge, important, equal presence in the workforce and, um, and also the, the client base typically of these companies. So um, that's, that's been really a no brainer that, that women need to be, um, have appropriate representation on boards and corporate leadership. Um, but yeah, but, but women are really, they're, they're more inclined to think about those non-financial risks, um, particularly with, um, climate change, um, labor issues, um, Diversity. it kind of, yeah, it, it falls into that thoughtfulness about, um, risk awareness and, and really wanting to know, okay, what is beyond the, the numeric bottom line of this? Um, financial decision um, and you know maybe that comes from more of an inclination to emotional intelligence or, or whatnot the way that we're raised to think about others and kind of the um, emotional labor that I mentioned before um, but yeah so this this huge surgence in um, in ESG investing ESG investing just E stands for environment, S stands for social, G stands for governance. It's a little acronym um, to describe those non-financial elements that are considered in these responsible or sustainable investment decisions. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it really was pioneered by um, faith-based groups, which I think people don't totally understand. Um, you know, not, um, not having... Um, alcohol in your investments is something that is very important to, you know, Muslim investors. Um, you know, there's, there's certain um, things that are important to Christian investors and, and Jewish investors. And so they, they were really the pioneers of, of socially responsible investing. Um, and then kind of the next wave were, were women who were inheriting um, a significant amount that women tend to live longer than men. That's another consideration for your financial planning. Um, yeah, women inheriting money, um, they were really more on the forefront who were willing to willing to buy into the fact that these non-financial factors were important in their investing decisions. Um, and, you know, and now we have huge, huge names signing on to that very same belief um, in the finance industry. So it's, it's very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. And I think it comes also down to this concept that we talk about a lot in our program and also a bit on the show, which is voting with your dollars. Um, If we're going to live in a capitalist society, we might as well use it to our advantage and 
vote with our dollars. And yeah. uh, just to throw out another factoid, women control over $20 trillion in worldwide spending. So we really shouldn't be underestimated because that's a huge number. Yeah, completely. And and a lot of people ask me like how how they can participate in, in sustainable ESG investing. Um, and a lot of people, the people that I talk to who are, you know, around our age and early in their professional careers and still combating those credit card debt, student debt, um, high rent challenges that come our way. And like, I want, I want to participate in impact investing or ESG investing, but I don't, um, I don't really invest, you know, there are some solutions for working it into your, um, your, um, employer sponsored retirement plan or whatever other thing that you have going on. But um, really your, your impact starts with your, your spending. Um, and it's been so wonderful the last couple of weeks seeing all of those um, resources sent around to support your, your dollars to black owned businesses. Like that stuff is really important to, to pay attention to. Um, and you know, it's such, it's such a weird time when Amazon is just, a very comforting solution um, and I really understand that but if you but but if you can double dip stuff that you need or want with having an impact on the small business owner someone local someone who is not being given the resources that Amazon is given or other corporations um, then that that is a really powerful thing and if you if you can work that into your your um, you know, financial footprint philosophy, then you are, you are an impact investor. I mean, every dollar that you spend at a small business is an investment in the small business. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really glad that you brought that up because um, it's not a really obvious connection for people. Um, in addition to spending is where you bank. Um, you know, it, banks are blessed with very, high, um, I think it's called switching costs or something, mm -hmm. our strategy and economics professors are going to be mad if I get that wrong, but you know, people don't switch their banks. It's extremely inconvenient. You have so many things set up for so much paperwork, automatic deposit, so much paperwork. Um, but there's so many really awesome banks out there that just by having your savings in a savings account, your money sitting in your checking account for a short amount of time, you're really supporting some really awesome um, either community endeavors if you're if you're a local um, uh, credit union. Some credit unions are more impact oriented than others, so you definitely do your research on a credit union before you're really making that switch. Uh, but there are there are big banks that are doing really amazing things like Amalgamated Bank. Um, uh, they are really great. They have really great online banking, so you don't need to be nearby a branch necessarily. Um, yeah, so I think I think that's another layer that if people want, if people are interested in in um, impact investing, but they don't really, you know, there very few people have the means to actually do impact investing. Uh, but if you are banking, you're think about it. Your savings account is going into a, a loan, and if your savings account is going into a loan locally in your community for, you know, affordable housing or some kind of um, renewable energy lending. Um, that's really, it's actually really common. Um, and so just with a, a little bit of research and, um, you know, you can direct message me if you want some unofficial specific names that I can recommend. Uh, I feel good about recommending Amalgamated. They're, they're a B Corp. They're, they're very publicly uh, a 
respectable and impactful. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I think also what this really comes down to is that the theme of this season of my show has been privilege. And while it may not seem like you have financial or economic privilege, even in these little ways, everyone does. I mean, we're all going out there and we're using a bank and we're all buying things. And so even if you look at it at a very, very micro scale, you have the ability to impact change. Um, And that's kind of what I want people to take away from this episode is that it's not as intimidating as you think. Don't let anyone tell you that it is and that you have power. Everyone has financial power. Yeah, absolutely. And it, yeah, and we're we're talking about like many fractals of of how this plays out. And the, the first, the first part is yourself and how you feel, how you invest in yourself and, um, you know, the, the confidence that you put in yourself that you can take control of your financial situation, um, you know, not, not letting people write you off and um, infantilize you. Um, you know, if you're, if you're interested in female empowerment in finance, don't fall for like a pink investing product or something, you know, like really be, really be asking those questions about what actually matters to you as an individual and not, you as a stereotypical woman um yeah and if and if you have the means really be thinking hard about where your assets are and what kind of impact they're having on you know beyond your your balance sheet um and i think that our our audience is probably already really in in tune to that but um Spread the word to others, I guess, also. Definitely. Tell all your <laughs> friends to come watch yeah. this episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I've learned a lot in even just prepping for this episode with you, Emma, and I just want to say thank you again for coming on the show and sharing all of your insight with us and just wanted to leave it with you if you had any closing thoughts. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for inviting me. This was really fun. This is I love talking about this stuff, so if you ever want to have a, you know, part two and we can go into some other realm of things that would be really awesome um i think that if i have any closing comments this is this is being released in late summer early fall right Mm -hmm. just register to vote and vote um you know vote and um if you think you're selecting the lesser of two evils you might be and i i just i just everyone should should be voting and and really also thinking about the impact that that has um that might be my closing comment since i have a platform now i'll take take you on that platform as well i saw saw a great meme the other day it was like if you are trying to get somewhere and you're waiting for a bus um, but your bus doesn't come along you don't just sit there you get on a bus that's taking you closest to your destination Yeah. Um, and I thought that was a great way to put it. So I like that. Yeah. Vote with your dollars, but also like go vote on actually a ballot. Actually vote. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually vote. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, but like it, I've, I'm, I am involved, I try to be involved in a lot of diversity, equity, inclusion work, which could be a whole other episode. Um, but, um, you know, it's really hard to think about like what an actual president could look like and how that could actually reflect you know what we're all working towards in in DEI communities you know we're we're a long way from the ideal um and I love the bus analogy I'm going to start using that that's great (laughs) 
All right. Thanks, Emma. And to everyone else, thanks for tuning in. I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.